In order for shame to be rendered powerless in our lives, we must be witnessed. We must be seen. Your gifting is going to seem like things that are just very obvious. They're going to seem like, well, everybody can be this welcoming, but everybody can see that moment where I just saw it. It's going to feel like anybody could do it. And that's what makes it your gifting. Watch how people avoid the face of somebody in need or asking who makes you uncomfortable. Every one of those faces reveal God. We have to remember our past and recount the things that God has done for us. And then that gives us faith to keep going to where he wants us to be. Hey guys, welcome back to the Incense Podcast. I'm Sam. And I'm Blaine. We had a listener write in, as happens once in a while, when we pretend like this is a show that airs live and we have like phones ringing in the background. As an aside, I've been on those shows. It is bizarre because it's just a phone. It's just a prop going off. No one's actually calling. Wow. Um, But in this case, a guy wrote in who had just walked through a breakup and he actually kind of felt embarrassed reaching out to say, do you guys actually have content around this? Because... This is a really difficult moment, a really difficult season, and I need resources. And you really have wanted to do this ever since you got that. And do you want to tell me why you've been so eager? I've been so eager to not do this episode. (laughs) Oh, that's right. That's what it was. So why are you not eager? Did you ever see the second Ocean's movie, Ocean's 12, where the guy has to do man ballet through the laser maze. <laughs> I think you're just thinking of Mission Impossible. You know the, you know the clip I'm thinking of. <laughs> no. <laughs> it is the most referenced. Isn't man ballet just ballet? Yes, it is. I did ballet in college, so if you're a guy out there who's a, who just got belittled by Blaine Eldridge, I'm also belittling myself. No, he does capoeira or something. Through a laser maze to, <laughs> <Gesundheit>. to, st- <laughs> to steal an Easter egg from the Pope, I think. <laughs> I don't know. I wasn't paying very much attention. <laughs> oh, I remember this one. This is where Jason Statham comes rushing in from the side and it turns into a bloody car chase with a helicopter at the end, right? Oh, no, you're thinking of Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> also very I haven't good. seen that one, though. Uh, anyway, no, that's the one. Where is that the metaphor? That's what you feel like Dwayne you're going to do man ballet through the lasers off of a skyscraper and grabs onto a repelling assassin in order to lower himself safely to the ground. He jumps off a lot of skyscrapers and cranes leading it's like to skyscrapers. In the contract, skyscrapers. Does the protagonist jump off a skyscraper? If that not, part has to be offered to Dwayne Johnson can first. Can we work it in? Does the movie take place in the jungle? That part has to be offered to Dwayne Johnson first. You need a reason for all of the glistening skin. Yeah. The jungle makes doesn't, sense. It doesn't glisten on its own. Exactly. Is he in the movie at a jungle scene? Back to Hobbs and Shaw. Where they're like, we have to go to Tahiti. <laughs> no. Anyway. You're going to man maze. ballet through the laser maze. Man ballet through the laser maze mm-hmm. is, and talking about like, hey, I, it's almost that I feel like I don't know what the first principles, I don't know what the, the widely applicable principles of navigating a breakup are. Yes. Because they are so unique. Mm. And the question, what did that relationship mean to you? Right. Is almost infinitely varied, which is why I don't like almost any dating advice, whatever. Because 
the blanket statements in the matter of how should you steward your heart as you learn to relate with other people over the course of your life is like, well, we can kind of build a fence around the Torah here. You know the saying? Or it's like that's the first time I've ever heard that saying, but I, I think I will understand it by context. What do you think it means? Just based on I mean, you can guess. This is you're gonna become an old testament Jew. You're gonna build a fence around the Torah. Be like, you make a rule to keep you very far away yeah. from the rule breaking zone. Right. And then you do it again. And, and then you again. do it again. And you turn into <laughs> and an old testament again. Jew. Yeah, and then exactly. They have to send Jesus to set you straight. Uh, they being the Trinity. Tricky business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's that. It is, uh, sorry, talking about offense around the Torah was the way that I view like most dating advice, which is like, well, it's really easy to mess up learning your own heart in the intense waters of intimacy. So yes. if you want to not mess it up, the best way is just to never go there and to be like, yeah, mm-hmm. unfortunately, that doesn't work either because you're always eventually going to have to learn to navigate intimacy, being designed for intimacy. So I think I see why you were hesitating about having doing this issue and just in the way that you see the world. Somebody says, hey, you should have a conversation about um, your favorite burrito. And you go, oh, no, now I have to educate you on food systems what and the impact of what you're burrito? doing and how you have to actually account for your role. What, like, what is food meant to be and how are we meant to steward? I can't, you know, the rest of us are like, oh, man, man, I like the one with the chicken and the beans. So true. <clears throat> so, wow, I feel so serious now. Burrito. No, we're not. We've already gone off enough tangents. You have to wait five minutes before you get another tangent. Is named Little Donkey for the little donkeys that came out to deliver the food to the workers in the fields. I said five minutes blank. <laughs> <laughs> but the way that your mind works is, huh, wonder what's over this edge and just sort of jumps. <laughs> and that's our childhood. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Except you got injured more. So yeah, okay, you're listening and you're going, Sam and Blaine are going to do an episode on breakups. Oh gosh, well, either A, I'm the guy who's like, thank God they're finally talking about this because I just walked through one. B, I'm the single guy who's not dating and so maybe this hopefully won't ever apply to me, but just in case it ever does, when I finally do end up dating, I'm just going to find the right one and things will never go wrong. Mm, maybe yeah. this would be good to have in the can, so... Um, sorry for making you a type, person number two. Person number three is married, and they're like, divorce isn't in the cards for me, fellas. So, like, I don't know what I'm going to listen to out of this. Like, you're going to share, what, old high school stories and your, your dating advice, part three? Like, not interested. So, to person number three, I say relationships and whether or not you actually got explicitly broken up with, that this is like the terrain where a lot of wounding and verdicts go down on your value as a person. So even if you are happily married now, there's a good chance that you're a bit like Blaine who's like, I don't want to go back in there. That is the scary place of lasers that will kill me if I touch the wrong one because the stakes could not be higher, literally. So hopefully there'll be something in this for you. And if you're person number two who's like, well, I'm only going to find the person eventually and I'm never going to break up because we'll both know we're destined for marriage, I say... I hope that's the case, but you're not free from all of the verdicts and fears and implications that relationships carry. It feels like there's a part number four. There's a young man 
that's a different personality who is either addicted to relationships or in one that's pretty toxic. I can think of, it feels like flip a coin, like especially in these years. And if it's heads, it's going to be an unhealthy relationship. And if it's tails, it's going to be an unhealthy relationship. And if for some reason it lands on its edge, then you actually have found a healthy relationship. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not meant to like teach you something. Yeah. You know, people can make mistakes dating, people can make mistakes not dating, but if you think that it's better not to date than to date, that's the guy we're talking to going, uh, you should you, you should get out there, bro. You probably need to get out there. You probably need to kiss the girl. You probably and then go on the other side, if you're like, oh, those guys who never date, they just need to relax to be like, okay, you're the guy who probably needs some more structure and Do you have an identity differentiation and relational skills. So in the breakup episode, there are probably a number of you who need to break up. There are probably a number of you who need to learn to relate to the friend who needs to break up, who is dating to cover something, to correct for some issue that cannot be resolved while he is dating, and it's actually doing damage. And the breakup notes apply to guy who can't leave long-term relationship for various reasons. And that guy can ask the same questions like, what is the trauma that I am in? that I'm using this relationship to soothe, for example. What's the hoped for future really? And then why am I in this relationship as usually the next best way to get whatever it is that you were hoping for? So hopefully there's something in here for you. And if you're person number one, thanks for writing us the email. I hope we do an okay job addressing your situation. Sam, where would you start? I would start with the actual immediate fallout, the immediate week of reeling from the event. Whether you were the person to do the breaking up with or you were the receiver of the breaking. Whether you initiated it or not. Yeah, you get away with words. You should do a (laughs) podcast. The immediate ramifications that feels like the hot zone for agreements coming in. So I, I can think of a story. We had a young woman over who had just walked through a, a breakup. It was actually mutual. So show me the scenario where hearts aren't involved. And she was reeling with the disappointment and the loss of that relationship. And I think people were really quick to try and jump in with, I would call them like passes on getting emotionally involved. And you see somebody else in a difficult situation, you sort of get a pass by being sympathetic and moving on quickly. You, you've offered your condolences, maybe even your like hopeful platitude, and then you kind of get to exit. Those are not very helpful. And I was watching that happen and felt this pull to ask her, if she was making any agreements along the lines of no one else will know me like he did. No one else will have the dynamic that he and I had. And something shifted for her. Like there was a natural level of grief, but there was an opportunity in in the heightened emotional grief 
for that to get in, for that to become something extra. And I think we've maybe implicitly walked this out over years, but we would say, I would say explicitly, the enemy would love to capitalize on a moment of suffering, grief, and vulnerability. And so those would be moments where I would be really, 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 really careful about any new agreements about your value, about your future, about your relational destiny. Those would be really, I, I wouldn't make anything in that time because the temptation and the assault would be the opposite, would be to come away with some things in the immediate. Wow, there's something really wrong with me. Or wow, I don't know why I keep being drawn to broken people. Or what she was thinking, no one will ever know me like. And therefore, every future relationship is going to be colored by the things that got in in that immediate breakup. So that, that like... You could end the episode for me right here. I don't know what's mm -hmm. coming next because we haven't gotten there. But that for me is like full stop, man. Like if you can really take that seriously and really have eyes to sit and think about and see what what you are repeating to yourself, what the agreements are in these moments, that that would that's powerful. That has that has mm -hmm. potential to change the course of your relational life. So two questions: the breakups that you experienced, yeah. There's a variety of them. Specific examples, specific stories. What were some of the agreements you had to work to not make when those happened? Mm. I think that I got broken up with in every relationship but one. <laughs> so, I've, Including by your now wife. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I've had some practice being broken up with. Um, uh, yeah. I, in like the, the early ones, there was – a mixture of confusion about what was wrong with me. Like, what? why is this happening? Like, well, why wasn't I able to do this? They, they, this person wouldn't be, in my case, this woman wouldn't be breaking up with me if if I was right. So therefore, there must be something wrong. And so that would be like the, the first round, I think, for me that got in of like, oh, clearly there's something about me that's wrong or different or is missing. And you can see like from, from the very beginning, the very first breakup is this massive value statement. Is this like, oh, wow, Sam Eldridge didn't measure up. And my, my relationships were, the breakups were anywhere from like several months into something to a year into another thing to three days into a, another one. I think Audrey and I dated for a whole five days in high school. Was and it she, that long? <laughs> she managed to surround herself with all of her friends and never like actually make eye contact with me. So it was like this weird, like I couldn't ever like get close to her. And then she broke up with me because I never held her hand or talked to her because she was surrounded by this phalanx of high school girlfriends. And was like, um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, but, but even still, like something must be wrong with me because here's this cute girl, we both like each other, and I don't know what to do next. I'm a boy. I don't I have no idea. Is making out what you want? Is taking you on a date what you want? And then you get all of what was even then what felt like really high social implications and the eyes on how you were going to be walking out your relationship. And now that there wasn't even social media then. There wasn't even social media back in my day when I was dating. Plus, they just write each other letters taken to each other by horse. Seriously, my first girlfriend, we did write each other letters. And, you know, well, 
Did we count the one? I anyway. No. I count the that neighborhood one. girl proposed to me. I think when I was like six. Yeah, I don't count that one. That one, not, that one, not so much. I count necklace girl. Necklace girl. You mean you mean penguin girl? No, necklace laser tag girl is number one. Oh, because she comes around again and yeah. again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. You should remember less about my past. That's crazy. As an aside here, though, in the aside of like the agreements getting in. My advice for young men these days is actually to date. I, like I, I want, I want you to take a risk, take a girl out on a date, and tell the girl that you like that you like her, and risk rejection. Ask her to the dance because if you don't, it's not like those those muscles are ever going to get used. You're just going to like suck I... as a romantic. You're going to suck as somebody who can interact with other people. You're going to like wait. This is the thing. I'm I am actually I feel simultaneously frustrated and heartbroken for the single people in our world who are in their mid to late 30s now because they're waiting for the right one and they walked away from a lot of relationships that weren't perfect and there's a variety again as you're saying back with the laser example it's also nuanced because it depends on each person's story and yet that's part of me where I'm like what what were you waiting for what have you been waiting for now you've waded yourself into a season of intense loneliness and I my frustration on their behalf is like just maybe say yes to somebody when they want to take you out so to my younger men out there be like risk it go try take a girl out like experience what you are where you do not feel like you have enough because it's there and this is a great arena for you to discover it and then allow the father to come and speak to it dad is very heavy-handed with the she cannot answer your question and you will take it to her yes. so if you're not dating it doesn't mean you're not taking it to her you might just be taking it to the internet version of her so take her out on a date recognize what it is that you're wanting her to fulfill so that you can begin to address those things and you can begin to not suck when it comes to interpersonal relationships. Yeah. Big asterisk here. (laughs) Blaine's big asterisk. (laughs) That's fine. Keep going. I'm curious. Don't bone everything that moves? No. Though that's an important lesson. (laughs) If you're Lord Byron, that might be something you need to know. (laughs) No, it's that something that is disorienting to people about dating is that obviously we don't have a clear definition of it anymore. And yet it is one of the last domains of relationship where we are required to exercise real relational skills and to have straight talk, to voice our expectations, to define the relationship and go, I think I'm shocked by, at some point in history, in a positive and negative way, almost every human relationship has had, I don't know, decorum attached to it. All of that is gone, so we don't have comitatus, male friendships that are relationships with our best friends. We usually don't initiate those via ritual. We usually don't have straight talk with them of like, you're really important to me. What would you think to hanging out more in the season that we're in. Yeah, and that then, person's usually pretty intimidating, and you end up saying, ah. that would I know, and that would be weird. And yet, eventually, my experience in the close male friendship arena has been that 
you always have to have kind of surprising conversations eventually where you voice expectations and you're in a season where you don't want to be around one of your best friends very much. You can be passive. It will go worse. Or you can actually have a conversation where you go, you are one of my long-term great friends right now. It feels weird to be around you. Here's why. And I don't have a problem with you, but this is the season I'm in. And that is a, that's a vital thing to be able to do if you're going to have long-term male friendships. We've talked about mentors before. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about engaging a mentor. You actually have to exercise real relational skills. Like, I have a request for you. Here's what it means to me. Would you be willing to? Well, most of the time, our relational worlds are just kind of these fuzzy, where we bob a lot. And there's not a lot of deliberate engagement. Mm-hmm. In dating, there is. I think it's so weird that it still exists as a thing. Like, we don't have best friend breakups. And sometimes right. I wish that existed because that would have simplified my life. Yeah, it would have been more clear. You just have ghosting. You have ghosting. But when it comes to dating, oh my gosh, you actually have to have a difficult conversation about your heart with a person in order to define the terms of relationship. That is a really, really good thing to be able to do. That is a hard thing to be able to do. So yeah. my a little bit of my double echo and you're like, take someone on a date. I'm like, yes, you should. Also, you should expect it to be difficult because it is a real new skill that you're learning. I Today was my first time ever using a tool called a come along. And I don't think it's a real thing. Oh my gosh. I was just, I thought it was going to bite off my fingers. Did you get this from the same guy that sold you the left handed smoke shifter? <laughs> yes, I got a good deal on both of these tools. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> That's but just $1,000. It, it was my, today, my experience of not knowing how to do a thing yet yeah. and how awkward, how inept, how I just couldn't figure out, like, a, you know, come along is, is like a, a pulley lever plus some gears to, like, pull two things together. <laughs> and <laughs> I have no idea what this is for or even how I would draw it on a piece of paper, but okay, <laughs> sure. I like basically. I I'm could gonna look not, that up afterwards, along with Komi Tatus, because I'm pretty sure that was a sex position. Yeah, don't call me a wench. Barry the f- said that you are kind of like a manifold wench, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> no, come along as a manual wench. Thank you, sound guy Barry, and go. I just could not get it to do what it was supposed to do for the first smoothly for the first hour of trying to use this thing, <laughs> but. When you are learning to date someone, when you're learning to have deliberate conversations, when you're learning to share meaning with a person, oh my gosh, dating is weird too because you actually have to come to terms and figure out whether you mean the same thing when you talk about your relationship. That's so helpful. That's a hard thing to do. Just recognizing that all of humanity uses a similar language, but we mean different things with our words. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I really, okay, so we're having a conversation about breakups while encouraging people to date because- That was the big asterisk. That was a big asterisk, but because there's this piece of 
I, I watched a lot of peers not date out of fear. And I've watched a, myself be hesitant to go back into relationships because of what got in with a breakup, because of the fear, because of the pain, because of the verdicts. I would say I actually really liked the Jack Johnson lyric, sometimes time doesn't heal, no, not at all. Because I felt like everybody would just throw at me like, oh man, give it some time, give it some space. Plenty of fish in the sea. And it was, again, all of those... Which compared to the size of the sea, not true. (laughs) It's those... It's sympathy. It's people that are like, they're offering a Hallmark card while they're continuing to drive by. So it feels like a a drive-by carding. And you're like, I just, you didn't actually stop. You didn't sit with me. You giving me that platitude does not make me feel better. And now I can listen to a Jack Johnson song and feel like I actually connected with one of the lyrics. Like, I don't feel like time is healing this. Why not? Why is it taking this much time and space? In which case, you know, this is like the second piece after the agreements piece, because this is where I think, some of this conversation applies to folks in category number three that you may be in a happy relationship now, but you actually haven't dealt with the wounding and the verdicts that got in from those early rejections. And just ignoring it is not the same thing as it healing. It's so good. Yeah, I think the first thing that I would want someone to know sitting here at 30 yeah. is that – However it went, whatever role you played, breakups are traumatizing. Anything from small T to big T, trauma. But you talked about avoiding agreements. I'm like, yes. And in in the hours, days, in the season, immediately after, know that at least part of your soul is in trauma mode. And so... Knowing kind of the simple things that help, security, beauty, rhythm, witnesses, comfort, like learning what to do when you are in trauma. There's a lifelong skill that's a very important skill. And unfortunately, I don't know anyone who has it during a formative breakup because it usually happens too soon. Right. And I think that I did not I did not formally date very much. This did not mean that I was awesome at engaging my relational world before right. marriage or even into marriage. Right. And that somehow you weren't taking relational hits because you weren't formally dating, therefore they didn't have the access to actually wound you and it'd be like, nice try. Yeah, exactly. Or that yes, I you did. <laughs> Or that I wasn't really hurt by much less clear things. Yes. And to go, man, how do you do deal with the, the disappointment of long-term girl who you – something was building with and you liked when all of a sudden she starts dating someone else and disappears? That's a weird thing. And there may be a few country songs about it. Thank you, T-Swift. You got to flip the roles though. And <laughs> – uh, but to go, unfortunately, now here in the lower T trauma one, you're in like the weird domain of what were the hopes that were dashed? What was it right. that you lost? What's the future that's gone? And how 
how completely had you imagined that future? Because you have anything from like a complete and explicit expectation destroyed right? or something that was sitting in the deeper domains of your heart that you hadn't even consciously engaged gone and you're like, why do I feel so weird about this? Yeah. So all that. Yes. Oh, and the, okay. So some of the risk of this, if it doesn't get addressed. So by the time I got to college and had like that same theme happen over and over of whether it was big T or little T trauma, like an official relationship that lasted a long time or a short relationship that was super weird or just a hoped for relationship that was rejected. I was just tired of being told I wasn't good enough. And so I just became the asshole who was like, I, I want to make out with this girl. I want to be, I want to be close physically with this girl and they're different. And I'm going to be making out with somebody else every single night and leading them on relationally. And I'll be, I'll be the guy that does the wounding because I'm sick of being the vulnerable one. And then there was this out, like, I just like watched if those things didn't get addressed, this like snowball effect into, oh, okay, I'm not good enough. Great, fine. Well, F you. I think if I'm not good enough, then I will live this way. That's where one of those is like, okay, you want to like undervalue the small T traumas and, and it naively expect them to not massively impact the way you do relationships to friendships to expectations of your future spouse. Uh, it's pretty diluted, in my opinion. Yes. So the story I was going to complete was I only had one, like, explicit we're dating relationship yeah. before getting married. And I initiated the breakup. Mm-hmm. And so you didn't take any relational damage, huh? Oh, my gosh. And what was that like it to was be totally so free? It was so crazy to have people go, why are you sad? Well, I mean, if you're hurting this way, why don't you just keep the relationship going? Like, Or why, what are you talking about? I mean, this seemed like it was a good thing for you. <laughs> and even if you had not had that relationship, would you say that you were somehow free from other lower T relational traumas? Oh, certainly not. Up no. till through college? No, no, no. So, So the question I wanted to frame was like, on our wandering journey here, basic trauma skills, Sam. Like, hey, your soul is experiencing some form of small T to big T trauma. Yeah. Things that you should know to do or expect. I mean, we... You've already begun touching on them. That, like, there's certain things you do to give your heart space to breathe and heal. I would, I would double echo those things. I, and I was already beginning to name it with like the time piece. I th- feel like people that don't have tools just leave it up to time. And there is an essence of, of truth to space and distance from a thing. But if you remember the study we cite all the time of the speech class, because it's considered pretty unethical to like intentionally traumatize human beings and then revisit it upon them to see how trauma affects the brain. So they had to like, do a speech, public speaking class. Remember this? Yes, I yeah. do. So for those of you who missed that, they did. They took like a group of students who did a public speaking class, measured their brains and bodies for indicators of stress and trauma, and then a year later had them write a single paragraph on it. So they're not in front of people again. They're just writing it. They're not even talking about it. And their bodies exhibited 90% of the same response that they had while in the class. So which is to say, yes, time is helpful, but when you remember an event, you are at least as good as 90% back there in your body. So 
just ignoring it and hoping that maybe in another five years you'll be able to love or date or risk again is um, in, an incomplete self-care plan. Yeah. You know, when I broke up, a friend gave me advice that was so helpful and I realized after the fact, that's really good advice for someone who's kind of traumatized in their season. And and he had a few pieces. One of them was that when your soul is in that kind of turmoil, decision-making is hard. It was getting pretty practical and granular. But he said, in my experience, I would really recommend making a pretty simple schedule for yourself Mm -hmm. and doing that. And if you get up one day and you feel like you can't do it, don't do it. But for the most part, go, I get up and I make coffee and then I eat granola for breakfast and then I go to blank. Mm -hmm. And then I do this and then when I come home, I take a walk around the neighborhood and then I watch an episode of Meat Eater and then I – and go – Make it simple. Don't have there be a lot of decisions in a day. Yeah, make it simple. Yeah. Um, And then – because it it will be further just exhausting to your brain and it's so – it's breakups are so disorienting. Mm. And when you just add in the factors, like, why do people date? Oh, my gosh, because it's good to be with people and you are made to be desired. You are made for communion. You are made to go on an adventure with someone. You're made to know that there's a good, adventurous future for you that you don't have to find alone. Yeah. That is all really awesome and important. Mm. And when that starts to build and then dissipates, you're dealing with everything from the loss of a dream to a person who saw parts of you that no one else saw to the really frustrating thing, you know, about when people die that also takes place in really intense breakups. Yes. Is that a person who kind of drew out and engaged a part of you that no one else did is now gone. So there's just this part of you that feels like it goes dormant. That feels really weird. And it's important knowing all of that in the season after to go, simplicity is your friend. Routine is your friend. Mm -hmm. Beauty is your friend. Mm -hmm. People who know how to listen and allow the outcome to be Mm open-ended. You say with agreements, when I think of my experiences with just relational mayhem, period. Yeah, so relationships. Yeah. Relational mayhem. I think that the dead ends are easier to avoid versus the but blank thing will lead you to a good resolution. The bows are harder to find. Mm. So... Don't make agreements. Yes, a a feeling about the nature of your life will present itself. Totally. Right. Uh, So I appreciate what you're saying here about like the loss of a relationship is a kind of death. It is. Like there is a person who is no longer a part of your life, who is like they don't exist for however long or short that is. I mean, Susie broke up with me and that was a kind of death for a little while before we ended up getting back together and getting married. And I've seen that pattern happen a lot in just anecdotally for couples end up together. But 
you have to grapple with that season of true grief and loss and tearing and things that I would add to that, to like the self care, self healing. And in addition to the beauty piece, the uh, simple routines piece, I found like all of a sudden I got really interested in a couple poems and like a, like a part of my heart responded a lot to beauty. So music, there'd be like a couple of albums that I would just like obsessively listen through the album over and over and over again, because it was really allowing me to sit in the thing. And I, I, what, a year ago, read the poem that somebody gave me right after an intense breakup, Wait by Galway Kinnell, Kinnell. Um, that was really beautiful to me. Like, I wasn't like all of a sudden I became a poet. It was like, I needed a few things, quotes, images for the future, understandings of pain to hold on to, to feel like these orienting anchors in this very tumultuous, stormy moment. Something else I also found really helpful was not not like every day, but regularly enough in a week, changing up my physical location. You know, this isn't like get out of your apartment, although I would encourage you to do that if that is the only place you are staying. It was like get a buddy who couldn't suck at giving relational advice, but you still trust him and he knows you're in a tough spot because he's one of your only few guys around and most guys do suck at giving relational advice and be like, well, I just, buddy, I need to go, let's go in the woods and let's um, take the 22 and shoot some cans or I just, I need to go check out this other beach or we're going to go on a hike and I, I just need somebody and I need someone to be like silent with, I don't want to go be alone. Um, but I do, I do need to like drive an hour and a half and go and be somewhere else because there is a a myopic nature to grief and to like self-preservation that I think we just end up like huddling over in this fetal position and really only wanting to see what's in front of us. And and again, like there's rhythms and ebbs and flows to this and like that's okay for um, a day, a week. Mm-hmm. Might be pushing it into the week, but that's where it's like, get up, get up go for a walk, then get in your car, go go drive an hour and a half to that thing that you've never been to before and walk there. And that is going to begin to break off of those blinders and get the hands a little bit away from protecting your face and going to get them out so you're able to really come out of the fight, flight, freeze world of being super reactive and it's going to make you the initiator of something new because what you actually need is newness. What you need is um, the ability in those spaces. That's often where the father would speak to me. I'd like, I'd get out of things that had been routine, especially with that other person. It's like, oh, okay, well now there's certain restaurants that are off the table. There's, there's entire parts of town that I'm just not going to be going to. There may, I may even need to move. And that actually feels like a reset but I wouldn't make that decision right away. I would do smaller changes for the sake of breaking out from the fetal position. Yes. I'm not that. encouraging you to like move to a different country right after you get broken up with, although I totally get the appeal of that. <laughs> a few things that come to mind is your sharing recommendations. When I broke up, you and I had a fascinating conversation where I don't, you probably don't remember, but. You were helping me try to make sense of the girl I'd been dating. 
And you said, well, this is probably one of the best times of her life. And it was like, what are you talking about? And what you were putting words to was like, no, 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 it's horrible. And this is a window into the nature of the soul, how important and meaningful people are, how important and connected our lives are, that breakups can actually be one of the most potent things that, that a person has experienced. And there is a weird quality of wonder to them. And because they're startling. It's like a curtain is pulled back. You go a layer deeper into mm -hmm. the experience of the soul. And there is a bit of, oh, my gosh. Oh, I remember I like after a breakup, I couldn't have my phone on me because I didn't actually want to feel accessible or compulsively checking their social media accounts. So all of a sudden, I'm like, I would be walking around without my wallet, without my car keys, and without my phone because I, I couldn't be like trusted with any of those things. <laughs> and it was oddly freeing. It was oddly like, oh, I feel really raw right now, but that actually makes me, I am experiencing things to a different degree. And it does feel like one of those catalyst pivoting peak moments that like you think it it, it can be a valley, yes. And also valleys are moments of pivot. Values are moments of really considering where you, who you are and where you want to be going. And, and there's something of the energy to that of like, oh, I am so sorry. And you are alive. Your heart is beating. You yes. are bleeding. You are in pain and you feel it. And I would encourage you to feel it and ask what now? Yes. Invite God into your breakup, guys. It'll be worth it. Invite him to be in that experience with you. And then just as, as fighting, as Sam Jolman said on a recent episode, can be surrogate shallow intimacy, but it can feel good, the despair of breaking up can be surrogate wonder. And I am just aware that it is an interesting, complicated, there is an appeal to the valley as it shows you so much about the tragedy of the human heart, the destiny of the human heart. And that can be surrogate awe. And it is important. However, springtime is still going to be the bigger awe. Like, this should have a poems list attached to us. But um, so Jack Gilbert's poem, Horses at Midnight Without a Moon, uh, the final lines go something like, it is no surprise that suffering surrounds us. What astonishes is the singing. And go, what will astonish you? That would be a great poem to read as it goes on and it says something like, we struggle as a man through a valley filled with snow and yet sees on the mountains the first light of spring and knows that spring has begun. And to be like, the singing is more astonishing. The one other note on breakups and these experiences in general is thank you, Brene Brown, for rising strong, for telling us what we could have learned some other places, but learning is hard. You have to name it. The only way through is in. 
And so eventually, probably not the day after, right? The first few days are mostly about disorienting emotion. You are in it. It's not time to parse it out yet. No, your ears are still ringing. And it kind of sucks because... I wouldn't recommend this, but I got on my motorcycle and just (laughs) drove up into the Californian mountains. Wonderful thing to do. Yeah, a little too fast. Motorcycles are useful for so many major life experiences. (laughs) They really are. Uh, But to go, yeah, you will, you can't shortcut the experience. You have to have the experience first. Eventually, pretty, pretty quickly, actually, you'll have to name the losses. And it can feel like it's making it worse. Uh, like, I just know when I listen to the voices of older people telling me about grief, they're mm-hmm. like, go in. It feels like it's going to overwhelm you. It won't. It doesn't last forever. Mm-hmm. You still need to go there. Mm-hmm. And so... Answering the question, what did you lose? What did you hope for? What's what's probably a hope that you felt like you couldn't even say aloud? How does it feel to have that not realized? What are you tempted to believe now? And naming the losses mourning the losses. I have lots of journal pages in navigating pain of various kinds that are devoted to this activity. I feel like blank now. This is what I had hoped for. It it didn't happen. What about this? What about this? And deliberately mourning that actually positions you, it makes it possible to heal. If you skip that, you won't. 